A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 357 for February 13th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about live edge table bases, air dried versus kiln dried lumber, kiln dried lumber, and stationary log versus stationary head mills. Mm, I can't wait to find out what that's all about. Uh, and that's really about it for the topics. And uh, let's see. You want to help out the show? You definitely can. Go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and help us out like these folks did. Michael Schumacher, Tom Pritchard, Christopher Flanagan, Zach Spiel, Josh Turner, uh, Big T- Big Tom Makes, David Whalen, and John Lighthall. Uh, thank you so much for your support, folks. And if you go there, look on the right-hand side. I guess if you're in the app, just scroll up or down, however you see that. And uh, there are different levels that you could sign up for, and you get different things in return for that. Uh, one of the coolest things is you get access to our email extra show, and that comes after the regular show. We take another question, we answer it together, and publish that on Patreon, and you can get access to it there. Uh, and if you sign up now, you can actually get all the old email extras too, which is great. So you got a whole backlog of content to listen to, probably a couple couple shows worth of extra stuff sitting there just waiting for you so i think the coolest one is definitely the hangout i mean i'm a little biased yeah yeah and that's actually i think at the highest level if you uh help us out you can actually hang out uh, with us like literally and figuratively and we will do what once a month we just kind of have a half hour 45 minute chat totally informal uh, you know get your webcam on we'll see your shop ask questions talk about stuff uh, make fun of us which is usually how, how it transpires. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a lot of fun. Pants are always optional. They're optional right now. Hold on. Can you see me? Yeah, I don't. you can't even tell if I have pants on. So that's great. <clears throat> that's how I like it. All right, let's get to what's on the bench. Uh, we are recording a little bit early for us. So we're all, we might, you might notice a different vibe to the show today. Uh, yeah, extra loopy. Yeah, just we a little like, bit. Was last week we recorded late? 
Yeah. Or was it two weeks ago? Late and early yeah, just isn't really. our thing. <laughs> <laughs> we just don't perform so well off schedule. Uh, well, well, it would be an interesting dynamic because the time difference will really come into play here because you guys are okay and I'm coming up on lunch and I'm really hungry already. Yeah, see, you're thinking about... <laughs> so I might get hangry about halfway through. <laughs> right. You're thinking about food and I'm thinking about how I haven't had enough coffee yet. So, oh, good stuff. But uh, making matters worse for me, um, last night was just miserable. So, Nicole is upstairs with the baby who has pink eye and a fever and a nasty oh. cold. They're up all night. And I'm downstairs with Mateo in my bed who has just thrashing like stomach cramps. And I don't know whether it was gas or what the deal was, but every 45 minutes he's up and then he takes another hour to get him back to sleep. And so it's, it's, it was a really rough night. So we're all on a, on fumes this morning. So hopefully I can get through the show. You guys got to keep me awake. Unintended. Okay. Yes. Mateo had bad gas and you're on fumes this morning. <laughs> didn't, didn't. It's almost like oh, I wow. did that on purpose, but I definitely didn't. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't have enough it's energy. Not a for, laughing matter. I don't have enough energy for wit this morning. Um, okay, so. Of course, Shannon picks up on it. No one yeah. else does. Yeah. Well, he's well rested and hungry. Uh, okay, so I finished my slab table and uh, man, what a quick project. Like that, that's almost like lathe project quick. <laughs> like you basically just clean up the slab, dress it up, stabilize it. And I guess if I had some really big cracks and checks and had to do like the, you know, little bow tie keys or whatever, um, I certainly would have had more time invested in it. Um, but ultimately even with the sandblasting of the edge that I had to do and, uh, I, did I, I, I guess I did that since the last show. So maybe I should talk about that a little bit. So I'm just hoping Millie lifts her leg on the table in the background right now. Millie, Millie's <laughs> a good one. Well, Millie is a girl, so she's probably just yeah. going to squat and not lift her leg. But right. <laughs> hop on up there, hop on up and just squat on it. But you know what? It's got a nice polyurethane finish so she could pee on it all yeah, she wants no problem. and I'll go clean it up. Uh, it will be on the surface. So uh, I did sandblast and I, I, I think it was actually speaking of the hangout. I think I unboxed my new sandblasting gun in the hangout last week. Uh, and that thing actually worked pretty well. The problem is the hopper is so tiny that you're refilling it like every 30 seconds. So, so yeah, you're going to well be done. there for a while, but if, if you have a short, quick sandblasting job like this, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of sucked in that regard, but it was over pretty quickly and it worked. And I don't know that it's quite as powerful as other like more pro rigs would be, but it got the job done. It really, the sandblasting is something um, that you can use on a live edge to help sort of clean it up and sand it effectively without destroying the natural, you know, beauty of it and the natural contours of the surface. It just kind of follows what's already there. It also kind of, um, Shannon, I think you posted a video recently of a new, molder or sander or something you guys have that uh oh yeah that that highlights the grain in the woods by just kind of brushing away the softer parts of the, of the board and you kind mm-hmm. of get that nat- natural i don't know what would you call it it's just this roughness that follows the grain so the sandblasting kind of does the same thing it's going to get rid of anything that's softer and leave the stuff that's a little bit harder so you get this texture and this pattern in the wood surface that's just amazing uh, and you have to be careful not to sand it afterwards with like regular sandpaper because that then flattens everything out and you have to re-sandblast it again. Uh, but the sandblasting worked out great, uh, sealed up the end grain, um, took care of any little minor checks. There definitely were a lot of like micro checks that had to be uh, uh, controlled, and uh, but nothing major really to take care of. So finish that up, slap on the legs, and boom, I got a coffee table. And if anyone's watching on the live stream, you can see it over my uh, left shoulder over here, and it's uh, about to go into the living room. So 
pretty exciting, but probably one of the fastest turnarounds I've ever had on a project. <laughs> now I know why Matt does this stuff. It's easy. Like, what? Slap, slap some, you know, belt sander, good to go, whatever. Yeah. Once you get the slab, it's uh, you know, it's a piece of cake. Um, it is. Yeah. So it really is. It was, it was a lot of fun. Good stuff. And um, coffee and cake. Coffee and mm. cake. The other thing is ThreadTaps launched, and I'll talk about that in what's new, so I won't dwell on that now. Uh, but Matt, what about you? I have a question for you. Oh, quick, sure. On your sandblaster. So yeah, one, one like thing like we were talking about using the sandblaster on that. Does the media get embedded in the wood fibers? Not really. Yeah. No, really. No, not <laughs> that I saw. I mean, basically, a little compressed air uh, takes care of it. And the thing is, that stuff just bounces everywhere. Uh, it creates. <laughs> the biggest mess i put a tarp down and the tarp is like i don't know 16 by 20 it was a big tarp and there was and i used this uh, black diamond uh, abrasive powder or abrasive sand and i was sweeping it up well beyond the tarp so it just goes (laughs) it's all over the place it's in my hair it's in my ears um but no it doesn't really embed itself in the surface so interesting you know because i think the granules are just large enough that they they hit the surface, they do what they're supposed to do in terms of abrading the surface, and they just bounce right off. Uh, I would imagine maybe if you're dealing with an incredibly soft species, it might, but I don't know. I don't. I, I, my gut says it isn't going to be a problem at all. So yeah, I had it to, just makes it sparkly. It's like, yes, I guess. You know, a, a slab table with stripper glitter. Right. I guess it doesn't really matter since you're leaving it as is. Like normally, like if you get sanding grit embedded in wood fibers, that's a bad thing. Right. Yeah, but well, and I I'm also not hitting the face grain with it, right? I'm only doing the edge. So if there were some pieces there, but here's the thing, they're black. So if they were there, I would see them. You know, That's true. And, so and did would, you yeah. tape off? Like, how did you, I mean, how did you, how do you know you're not, you weren't hitting you have the a, face grain? You've got pretty good control of the stream, you know? So okay. as you're looking at it, you can, you can see where it's making contact. And it's probably... I don't know if you get pretty close. I mean, you stay far away. It's impossible to control, but you get really close and you can have fairly fine control. Probably, I would say like a a half inch, you know, diameter just area that you're working with and you can kind of just see it doing its thing. Uh, And I did actually sand and do the final treatment of the top and the bottom after I did the live edge. So even if I did touch it to some extent, I was going to retreat it with, you know, a full sanding process. But I mean, I guess it's a new gun. As the gun gets older, you have less control over the stream. Yeah, potentially. Stream. That's yeah. what they say. It, but there's also the good thing is there's what medicine. A, for how that. long a stream lasts? Yes. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, when you're younger, it's difficult to control the stream as well. Um, I clean it up off the floor quite often in my house. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, speaking of family, Matt, what's been going on with your week? Oh. <laughs> Why is it always like this? Uh, because it's wood talk, baby. <laughs> That's what we do here. You get you get the chuckles going, and then throw it to Matt. Quick, stop laughing, oh, Matt. You can't breathe. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, so yeah, we had an interesting week this week. I didn't do a whole lot in the shop, but I did a little bit um, with my wife. We were out there on Thursday, I think. Uh, the last time she was in the shop was last spring and she carved a spoon and did a video about that hmm. and that did really well uh that's like one of my best performing videos ever of course I'm not even in it of course <laughs> you put you put your wife in there and it's just it's a winner that's the way it goes but it was really well, well received so 
I think everyone was like, oh, this is going to be like a recurring thing. Like, I don't think you understand how often she actually gets in the shop. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems like a once a year thing. So this this year um, she's making some uh, like cloud-shaped bookshelves for mm-hmm. JR's books. Nice. Um, so we had her on the you know, bandsaw cutting out clouds so far. That's about as far as we got. Uh, we went away for a few days, or actually for like a day um, over the weekend or part of the weekend or whatever. Um most of the week last week was kind of like a family week for us. I didn't do a, do a whole lot. Um, last Wednesday, so my son, uh, Max, got a kidney issue. So last week we had this, uh, we went for some more testing, and we had like the, uh, I guess, the change of opinion that he still needs to have surgery, but instead of removing his kidney, it will be like a restructuring or repair surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like the scary part still there because the scary part is, oh, yeah, my little like, Boy, he's like he's eight, eight, eight weeks old now. Yeah, eight weeks old. They're like, yeah, they're gonna put him under, cut him open, and do something inside of him. So that's the scary part. But at least now it's like See, a the scary more... part to me was that one doctor was like, yeah, take it. And the other doctor was like, no, you don't have to. Like, you yeah. can't. I mean, I realize you can put one back in. Like, <laughs> you know, if you take it by accident, you can put another one back in. But man, are you guys <laughs> now inclined to get a third opinion since the second one was so right. I mean, different than the first? Different. We're going to send the results back to the first guy and see what he says. Mm. So the, the first doctor, so there were more tests order, that were done that, that he might he, change his opinion. He didn't on. order those tests. And I'm wondering if it was because they were not very pleasant for all of us. Yeah. Oh. So that could have been it. But just like looking at, like when we asked the second guy, like, it, just based on the first test, the ultrasound, would he recommend removal? He said, yeah, that looks terrible. But he ordered the functionality test, and he found out that, oh, this kidney actually functions better than the one that's actually working. Wow. Hmm. But the urine doesn't have anywhere to go. Okay. So it's somehow the urine's – you would think like, like the weirdest thing ever. I learned like, oh, urine just kind of magically leaves somehow, even though it's like not flowing down to the bladder. Yeah, right. Like, like filtering through back into the <clears throat> the abdomen and then getting reabsorbed by the body and then getting filtered out the other kidney eventually. Okay. Biology really goofy, is amazing. <laughs> goofy. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, it sounds like it's at least a step in the right direction for better news with this whole thing. Yeah, it's getting a little bit better. And just, so I, just, I actually didn't work at all this weekend either. I mm-hmm. actually had a weekend, which was really weird. What are those? I don't know. I, I haven't actually like not. I like literally did no work. <laughs> nice. It was very weird. You need a break sometimes. That's okay. <laughs> so did you guys go to, I saw on your Facebook, did you guys go to some kind of indoor pool or something? Yeah, I went to a, uh, it's an indoor water park. They also have like an amusement park in the same building and it's just huge. Nice. It's yeah, like it's three not, hours from us. It's not that often that I scroll through my Facebook page or my Facebook feed and see a uh, topless picture of Matt <laughs> scroll by. <laughs> And his and his hairy chest. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, I got to look closer at this. What's going on here?" <laughs> it was awesome. So I stay warm, you know. I've got a built-in keep sweater. that extra layer. Yeah, I'm with you there, man. I do the same thing. It's natural warmth. I love it. Yeah, I went there for uh, my uh, father-in-law. Wanted like a night there, so we went uh, on Friday night. Yeah, Friday mm-hmm. night was the, the night we spent there. So we spent the day Friday or Friday afternoon at the water park, and then part of Saturday there as well, and then nice. came home. Sounds good. This one. Awesome. That's pretty cool. cool. I feel like I need to like send you a pair of sunglasses right now, Matt. I was looking for them earlier, yeah. and I couldn't find them, so I went with a hat. 
So at least the hat like, keeps the bright. He almost looks like he's eyes. like a criminal or something who is being interviewed and doesn't <laughs> want his identity. To Tell us what you really did this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those who can't uh, see the video, if you're listening to this, Matt is like got a bright sunbeam in his face. He's wearing a hat. You just can't make out any details. <laughs> this is why I don't record early because I can't sit here at the computer without the sunlight. Yeah, the sun angle is terrible. Well, actually, and it's, it's going to be like two months before the sun gets high enough in the sky where right. it's like above that spot. Usually in the <laughs> afternoon, it's me with the curtains with the sun curtains. in my face. Blinds. They actually have know. wood blinds. You could make your own wood blinds. Nah, that's so slab. That. Go to Home Depot. I know a guy who slab in the window shop didn't even make his own blinds. Yeah, you and know what? Wood. I need blinds in here too. And guess what? I ain't gonna make them. <laughs> I'm going to wait till I have money to buy them. <laughs> I think you should just stick a slab in the window. Yeah, there you go. Oh, that, oh man. A slab on a hinge, dude. That'd be perfect. Slab oh. shutters. Speaking <laughs> of quick projects, right? Right. Just there you go. Sand a slab up, throw some hinges on it. Boom, Molly, baby. you're good to go. Yeah, hinges? Like a, instant shutter. That's not quick. I'm talking just lean it against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little duct tape so it's not no, a, I could do that. Acid. I have a whole... All the lumber I've been cutting on my sawmills is sitting on my patio waiting to like have something happen to it. So I can <laughs> yeah. literally go outside right now and lean a bunch of boards against the house and cover all the windows. Yeah, cover it from the outside. I like that. <laughs> there you go. Shutters. You do like the, the little Ikea anti-tip thing with like the little angle bracket at the top so that it can tip over. <laughs> you know? Nice. All right, Shannon, what do you got going on? Well, I don't have a whole lot to add to this either. It was one of those weird weekends where we just had lots of like random things going on. <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of it involved me lifting heavy things. So Sunday, I woke up and I was like, ow, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I need a time um, So I ended up like just uh, doing computer work and just I, I managed to make it down to the shop and said, Burr, it's cold, turned on the heater, and then never went back. <laughs> it was like, and it only takes like 15 minutes for the heater to really warm that tiny space up. But yeah, yeah I went down there today because my back was already hurting, and I received uh, several hundred pounds of new rubber flooring. Yeah. Yeah, same stuff that's <laughs> in Mark's shop in the background there. I'm a fan. <laughs> so yeah, that was the worst thing I could do for my back because... Man, that stuff is heavy. Yeah, it is. And there's like 60 mile an hour gusts of wind outside. <laughs> I'm trying to pull this stuff in. And uh, yeah, the heater was still on. So the shop was nice and warm until I opened the garage door and let out all the heat that I generated over <laughs> the last day or so. But that's that's my next, really my next project because now I've got this huge pile of uh, rubber tile uh, just in front of my bench there that needs to be put down. So I've got to figure out how I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. Because <laughs> the the crazy thing is, is if I move the Rubo bench, the things I will find under it is going to be really intriguing. <laughs> Dead animals and <laughs> so there's gonna drug probably gonna have to be some serious spring cleaning that's gonna have to go on before I start putting down the floor. But yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. That's something that I've been wanting to do for a long, long time. <clears throat> Just if for no other reason, you know, the anti fatigue thing will be nice. But you know, not having to freak out if I accidentally drop something on the on the concrete floor. Also, just the the rubber nature of it will kind of prevent things from sliding around. Mm-hmm. I mean, despite my bench weighing you know a ton, it still will slide around. Especially if you put too much force across the short axis, like if I'm on one end of the bench or the other, um, you know the thing will still shift around on you, and that will immediately stop when I put it on top of this this rubber floor. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be nice. I'm curious to see uh, just from a filming perspective what adjustments I'll have to make. Like, is it going to start deadening sound and like it will sucking a little bit. light out of the I mean, it, it, it will transform the space quite a bit. Um, I don't think you're going to find a huge, de- like, sort of decrease in light 
reflection. I mean, it will reflect less than, you know, gray concrete, but it's, I don't really notice much of a difference. Um, but overall the space, it just feels better. It feels warmer. It's almost like when you add a carpet to a room, it just kind of gives you that sensation that it's a warmer feeling and it will uh, deaden some of the sound waves, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It's nice. So I basically just looking at a a very, very large puzzle. That's Mm -hmm. my my next project to put together all the puzzles. And and we were talking before we started recording. Apparently they're not all the same. No, it's not like (laughs) a generic puzzle piece. Yeah, they are. I don't think they're all individually unique, but apparently they have an up. Yes. There's there's an upside and a top side. For sure. There's a a directionality and then there is a, well, you don't want the side with the printing on it up because that looks bad. Um, But I was telling Shannon that there is printing on the underside with an arrow and you got to look for which direction that is and make a rule. So if you're putting them down, the arrow always faces the doors or it always faces the back or whatever you choose uh, in this way. If you don't do that, they just will not go together. <laughs> right. And and I upped the the complexity here by they, they have this cool way to order it. You can just order like I need X number of tiles or you punch in your room dimensions and it they will automatically create a package for you within pieces. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't have the puzzle piece in. So I've got to like figure that part out. So I guess literally it's going to be like a puzzle. I'm going to have to like build the perimeter and then fill in the little parts in the middle or whatever. Yeah. So it should be fun. And there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to how they were shipped. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like Throw them on a pallet. There are side pieces somewhere. Or, or if there were, they're not anymore because I had to hand unload from the pallet. You know, I could only move like four, four rows at a time because they, you know, they weighed so much. Um, but, you know, the other news is I have a pallet now. Yay! So, you know, pallet project. Pallet projects, and Let's now see. I yes. have pallet. And yes, quick it is projects. Particularly nasty and disgusting looking. So to the point where I was like lifting it up to carry it out of the driveway, just out of the way, and it was like holding it at arm's length. You what a snob! <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling my pallet project will be to break in the new fire pit in the there backyard. You go. That's a good idea. <laughs> Uh, just don't breathe that smoke. Um, so we're talking about Rubber Flooring Inc., by the way, is the name of the company. That's the website, too, rubberflooringinc.com. Lots of different floor tiles, stuff for gyms, um, but they also have uh, recycled tire floor pads like this that work great in the shop. Um, by the way, if you're a Guild member, you do get a discount with Rubber Flooring Inc. We worked that out after having promoted them for like four years. <laughs> we finally decided, <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, we sent a lot of business your way. Can we get a discount for our Guild members? So they said yes. So that's pretty yeah, cool. That's what put me over the top. Yeah. Do awesome. those tiles add any like insulation value, Millie. do you think, to the floor? I would think so. Yeah, I mean, it seems like in theory it would, but if it's not completely covering it, I I don't know. I, I don't I know. Imagine I'm just thinking like in my shop, I get a lot of radiant cool coming off the slab in the winter at least. Yeah. I imagine I it's got to do something. Thought. I mean, these are, I think, eight millimeter thick of just like basically almost solid rubber you know it's recycled tires and some new rubber added to it um but it's you know i don't know thermal wise how how much insulation that adds it just feels warmer it it does it might just be in your head but it does (laughs) it's it's that warm and fuzzy feeling in your stomach exactly it's the same feeling you get from having a a nice um mat of chest hair uh, (laughs) at the pool just you know makes you feel a little warmer uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so let's get into what's new, and uh, this is all self-serving today. I've got uh, www.threadtaps.com is the website to go to if you want to pre-order some new wood taps. Uh, Andy Klein and myself are kind of teaming up to bring these to the market, and you know, the, the one thing I want to stress with this, if you've never 
if you've never seen Tapping Threads in Wood, it is something that's been around for a while. Um, but just listening to feedback and what people say about it, I want to stress that this is not something new and we're not reinventing the wheel. All we're doing is taking a concept that has been done for a little while now, taking these taps, using them in wood. Uh, regular metal taps are, they're okay, they work. But there are things that would make them better for woodworkers and also simplifying the offering for woodworkers because taps are just like, if you're not familiar with them, it's incredibly confusing and difficult uh, to make sure you're getting the right style of tap and uh, and the right type of cutting action that you need. So these really simplify that for you. Uh, Andy has come up with some really great modifications that make this more appropriate for woodworking and you can get all that information at www.threadtaps.com and we've got about, um, hold on, burp, okay www.www.threadtap. Yeah, and I, that also came up as a point of confusion. Thanks to my <laughs> my name, the Wood, uh, Wood Whisperer, it's www.threadtaps.com. And if you want to put the www in front of there, you can. So it's www.www.threadtaps.com, which is just ridiculous, but it's fine. Just click. I still like Whisper Taps. I don't know. Whisper Taps? Whisper Taps. Yeah, I guess. But I, I felt inclined to use the full identifying Matt, name. go buy that domain quick. Whisper taps. Whisper taps. Oh, he's gonna he's gonna squat on that domain. <laughs> uh, so these are really cool. Well, pre order pre order period is for about I don't know a little over five more weeks. So we're gonna do this pre sale. Um, everyone who orders one uh, a set or um, you know individual will get them. Uh, this isn't like Kickstarter where if we don't meet a goal you don't get them. Uh, everyone gets charged immediately and everyone gets them and we will be producing them and probably have them in your hands by the end of June. The only question is whether or not we carry on with this as an ongoing product. I'm not 100% sure. We have to look at the uh, information that we get from this pre-sale period and make a final decision on that. Um, but pretty cool stuff. And again, we're not reinventing the wheel here. So if people but were it has like... just the right amount of gimmickry that makes me like <clears throat> want to pick up the phone and order at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, it's all it's all how you sell it, Shannon. That's all. That's all it is. Well, it's just just like I told you, I have absolutely no need for this at all, and I'm but so tempted to buy, to buy them. Well, you get a free sham wow with, uh, with every order. Yes, so I'm in. Uh, but actually, there well, is a freebie if you get the six piece set. Uh, we do throw in a guild project um, that actually is one that shows the concept of tapping threads being used in a bed project. So um, that's a, a pretty good value if you get the six piece set, and that's only for the pre order period. So good stuff. I got to tell you guys, though, I'm a little bit nervous because it's a very different thing to make a tool or a product for the market than what we normally do, like making content, you know, and (laughs) someone's like, your video sucks. And it's like, well, F you, you know, and you can kind of you can kind (laughs) of have that kind of personal reaction. But when you're making a product and putting it out there and someone goes, well, you realize all you have to do is use this with a regular tap and you can get the same results, blah, blah, blah. You can't really argue with that you know what i mean like it's totally unprofessional to uh, unless the guy has you have a valid point to to engage that person if they're just being kind of a jerk about it you you just have to sit back and let it happen people talk you know and they talk about products all the time imagine imagine what it would be like if you invented like festool let's just lump it all into one category and say (laughs) you invented festool and you have to sit there and watch this feedback you're incredibly successful and tons of people love your stuff, but you have to listen to a very loud minority who hates you. Mm-hmm. You know what sure. I mean? Just and, and whether they're right or wrong, it kind of doesn't matter, but you have to let them talk. And that's that's a very different thing to get used to um, for putting. Well, I mean, in- I can empathize a little like like with website design. You know, you'll spend hours slaving over a certain design or a page and people are like, I don't like it. 
Yes. Yeah. And it was what much easier like the old it? way. And you immediately, I mean, you can't help but get defensive. Yeah. This is your baby. You yeah. know, <laughs> the number of hours that went into this, that and the fact that I'm not a web developer. So there's a lot yeah. more hours that went into You're it. You're just than doing your the best. People that know what they're doing. Right. You know, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. It wasn't, the, I think there was a comment in one of your threads. It was just like, wow, you realize you could just go do this. Yeah. And it's, it's like, like, okay, we understand. No one said we're like, there, yes, there are, that's what I used to do. Did you not see me do it this way before? Right. I mean, I did it. I, I'm, I probably am one of the, the, the people in the woodworking world who popularized this as something to, to, to be a thing that people can do. I mean, it, it's, it's something that's been around for a while, but that doesn't mean that we can't make an improved version. I mean, how many things exist out there? that there are improved versions of that maybe some people prefer more than others that it doesn't make it like, Oh, we shouldn't bring this to market just because this one person doesn't find it useful. That's not how these things work. You know, it's, it's iterations. My question is just as far as improvements, like the thing that struck me and I don't want to turn this into an infomercial about this, but it's our show. Bye now. (laughs) But (laughs) give them the website again before you start talking. uh, com www.www.threadtest. Yes, thank you. That's just fun. Um, when you went full speed with the drill, that freaked me out. Yeah. Like, can you do that? And I guess the question is, is I never actually tried it with a traditional tap. Mm-hmm. Will it work? Like, it just seems to me I'm going to be tearing up the threads if I try to go too fast. Yeah. Or is it just because you've got deeper flutes and you've got, you know, something that's actually got proper bevel angles and things like that for cutting wood that it actually works at full speed. I would say it's a combination of things. And one is the fact that, uh, in the past when I did the thread tapping, I was just, I would say I was overly cautious. So I probably went a little slower than I should have. That almost makes it look a little bit more dramatic. The reason I started going fast was because I saw Andy using these taps in his original tests when we were first evaluating this and I saw how fast he was going and I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'm going to go fast, you know? So then every time I do it now, I'm just like, so I have to, I have to go back and try some of the metal taps and just see how well they work at really fast speeds. They could work, you know, but it, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have more confidence in this because the old ones, um, my drill wouldn't grip them very well. It's just round and these have the hex shank on there. So I have even more confidence, uh, that if I'm trying to do this in Babinga or, you know, walnut or, you know, some harder species that it's not going to slip. And the slippage is something that you could even look at my bits, uh, the old set, and they're just kind of worn from where it was slipping in, in the chuck. You know, so I don't know 100% for sure, uh, but ultimately I do know that these work really well at high speeds uh, and I've got no problems doing it. In fact, the table, all, geez, there's 12 bolts on the underside of this table. All of them were done just like in a matter of seconds. Um, so it, it is pretty quick. So it's something oh, new, bolts. right? It's a different thing. Good Lord, why do you need so many bolts? That's the way that, I don't know, I, I would have designed less, but the, those legs. There's six on each leg? Well, Good yeah, Lord. yeah, but here's the thing. The leg has um, a, like a four inch wide plate welded to it. So with that width, I guess the guy oh. who made them was inclined to put two bolts side by side to cover that full width and give you the benefit of that plate being there in the first place. One row of bolts would kind of not, work as well in terms of making it strong. So I can see why, but yes, 12 bolts is friggin' excessive. (laughs) So yeah, good stuff. Um, so anyway, infomercial over, but go check it out. www.threadtaps.com. You know, at the very least, this is a grassroots effort. It's me and Andy brainchild of, uh, Andy. It's totally his idea. Um, but I'm helping him bring it to market in a partnership and hopefully this will, uh, this will be useful to people. You know, we'll see. 
I kind of oh. want to nickname him like the Reckless Tapper now. The Reckless Tapper. <laughs> the reckless Tapper. Boy, we went through some different taglines. Like I tap that. It's definitely one we played with, um, and we settled in on taps that don't screw around, and uh, you know, it's all good. <laughs> Okay, so Matt, you've got some stuff uh, going on. Some uh, every time, some sweet every giveaways. Time well, that's that's just the way it goes. It's like it's how the Mark show always has to end his segment with some kind of joke, <laughs> and then I'm always following Mark. You just, have to, you just have to learn how to recover from a laugh faster. You do that's like you do real, like me. That's not a real hearty laugh, then. Yeah, but if you do like me, which is basically a fake laugh, you're just pretending that it's funny. Then <laughs> you could stop faster. So I can't help that everything's funny to me. All right, everything is genuinely funny. It's a fake laugh. That's like a fourteen-year-old girl. I love it. Oh, it is. Oh. All right. So I also threw in here. Oh God. I I put together a giveaway. Uh, it's running until the end of the week until Friday. You can enter that. There is a link. We'll put that in the show notes. I have a giveaway celebrating a hundred thousand subscribers Yay! in three years posting on my YouTube channel. Hey, congratulations, yes. Matt. That's awesome. That's a milestone. If you care about such things, people do. They do. Uh, they really do. I, I'm indifferent. Well, seriously, let's, let's extent. look at the number. Let's look at the number. I think it is good to dwell on this stuff for a while. Uh, we actually have some kickback about subscriber numbers from uh, Joseph Mensch later that I think is really interesting, kind of plays into this. But 100,000 people, how many people fit in your average football stadium? Do you guys know that off the top of your head? Because I don't. 15? I would say. 20? I don't know. Isn't it more like 40? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going to look it up. Google is your friend. Okay. So, well, these look like they're um, college capacities. Uh, so, like Michigan Stadium. Uh, 107,600 is the capacity. And most of them are around 100,000. So that's That's um, a lot of people. uh, Yeah. So, okay, you're watching a football game, right? And look at that crowd. And imagine every one of those people, and you're in the middle on a 50-yard line, cutting slabs. (laughs) Right? Oh. Think about that. Yeah. You have to. I can just imagine that. He's like out on the 50-yard line. It's an amazing show, everyone. All right, but I'm thinking you have to sort of put a realistic, measurable, definable like view on how many people that actually is. That's an insane number of people. So I don't know. I just I think that's really cool when you actually try to come up with some tangible way to understand what that number means. So it's just not you know like monopoly money. Uh, it's not this sort of um, you know thing that you can't really grasp. But when you think about it in terms of like a football game and you look at all those people and they're there to watch you cut slabs, I think that's that's pretty amazing. That's something to be proud of. Oh, that's what I should have done. You should have. You should have been... rented a stadium oh. for your for your uh, 100,000 celebration. Hope you guys celebration. don't mind all the sawdust here in the middle of your field. Yeah. Vacuum that up when you're done, please. I'll vacuum. I'll be in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, hey, real quick, what's did you mention what's in the giveaway or did I miss it? I was about to, and then you I interrupted you. Guess how many people? One hundred thousand people is <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have a uh, Triton router, the big three and a quarter horsepower router. Uh, two bench dog number four smoothing planes. Uh, one of Dima's brass mallets. A uh, project of your choice from the guild. What? Uh, hybrid woodworking. Some weird book thing. What? Got like pages and paper and stuff. That's crazy. And then like this semester from this hand tool school what? Your, your choice it's it's crazy 
Nice. Yeah. That's quite awesome. I'm giving away some t-shirts too. So <laughs> all right, t-shirts. Very Those nice. are good t-shirts. Good quality. Good quality. I like my stuff. Kamoda t-shirt. Yes. I have more. You know, I, I wanted to just throw one more thing in here. What's new since we talked about it a couple episodes ago. You remember I, I mentioned that uh, design show on Netflix was yes. coming out? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It is out, and I've watched the first two episodes, and it is very good. Is it's, it the one? I think I was really bored the other night, and I think I watched I watched it, and uh, I got Abstract, the artist. Yes, design. and the guy's drawing a lot, and uh, he does yeah. the, the uh, what is it? Not New York Times. Uh, the New Yorker covers right mm-hmm. okay yeah so i only saw one episode so you you liked it yeah i did very much cool i watched the first uh i guess it was just the first two episodes but mm-hmm. yeah it's it's neat just because i've been kind of thinking a lot about design lately and just kind of trying to quantify it in my own brain so this was uh it was nice to have some of that stuff that i was thinking be affirmed that oh yeah that is an actual principle of design so yeah. hey i'm not making that up that's good i quite enjoyed it so go check it out awesome Sounds I'll good. Watch that then. Yeah, I, 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 I it might have been my, might have been because it was late or my mindset at the time, but I, I did start to lose a little bit of interest because it was so focused on just this guy and his drawing and what he does for his cover art and things like that. So I'm hoping it picks up a little bit and gets a little more yeah. interesting. You, you, in the can't, you can't be in a walking dead mood and then go and watch it. <laughs> it's a documentary. I, I kind know. of exist in a walking dead mood, frankly. <laughs> any at any moment, I will pull out a uh, baseball bat with. With barbed wire wrapped around it and <laughs> with hit people wire with it. around it. Just, <laughs> nice. It's for distressing your furniture, right? That's right. That's Easy what it is. There, Negan. <laughs> that's the only reason I have it. Uh, okay. So let's get into our kickback. So we've got quite a, a few stuff, few things to get through here. So let's uh, try to move quickly. Uh, two voicemail kickbacks, starting with Nate. Hey, guys. This is Nate calling uh, from California again. Thanks for your tips on putting some drawer stops on my, my weird little table that had a drawer but no back on it. Um, I ended up putting the drawer stops, I guess, on the where you'd recommend it, but on the face um, above, not on the bottom. And I, I just kind of put the drawer halfway in and then use one of those little tiny right angle screwdrivers to tighten them up. Uh, and then it keeps the drawer from going back, but it also keeps it from going out. Because I have little kids and they'll just yank a drawer out. And then, oddly enough, I did check online uh, and was looking around at more pictures of this design I found in. And there is a back behind the drawer, so I think this um, one should really just have a back behind it, and I'm just going to end up putting it in the corner so nobody can see that. Thanks again. Cool. All right, that's a nice update. Um, we were wondering about that uh, double-sided drawer deal. Um, okay, another kickback here from Eric. Hey, guys, this is Eric from East Bay. I just called to leave some feedback. I got distracted by your lady on the voicemail with an accent and then lost all train of thought. So I thought I would try this again. Calling about the last episode, uh, Shannon was talking about the slab being distracted on the coffee table. Um, he was actually talking about my coffee table that I built on the Limbert-inspired coffee table that uh, Kevin Rodell did out of Oak. Um, just calling to give Shannon a hard time on that. Thanks. <laughs> there you go. There's your hard time, <laughs> Shannon. Yeah, we talked about that in the Hand Tool School community. I was I was wondering if Eric was going to catch that I was talking about his table. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so next one here is actually a lot of people wrote in about this in various places, so I, I can't give them all credit. But when we were discussing the four breadboard concept, <laughs> we were so busy making jokes that we didn't think about like the probably like the obvious application here is multiple panels edge to edge and separated with um with a breadboard so think of two central breadboards and there's just panels between them so nothing is wrong in the way this was done it's just very different than what we were thinking 
<laughs> and it is a viable way to have four breadboards on a tabletop. So, you know, there's that. They're, so, they're breadboards. So that breadboard ends then. Yeah. We so we, we stand corrected. But that, that said, <laughs> there was some fun uh, on Twitter with people uh, enjoying the concept of breadboard upon breadboard upon breadboard, like getting infinitesimally <laughs> small, <laughs> which would be just amazing. Uh, okay. So, uh, let's see. Last one I have here for me is Joseph Mensch wrote in. He says, this is in regards to our weekend topic. We talked about YouTube and sponsorships. He says, obviously I'm not a YouTube content provider. If I was though, the statistic I would pay more attention to than subscribers would be the ratio of views per subscriber. I see guys on YouTube with a million subscribers that are only yielding 40 to 50,000 views per video. That's about four to 5%. And then I see guys with 300,000 subscribers yielding a viewership of 30 to 40 percent per video. In my world, how many people that are titled a customer or subscriber is far less important than how many customers come into my store and make a purchase. Subscribers is overrated. A channel viewer a channel viewer ratio is a much more valid metric in my opinion. So that was a, I think an extremely good point. Yeah, it is. Take it a step further and say watch time, which I know YouTube's all about. Right. Like they yeah. you know, yeah. if they views but did they just watch the first minute and go this sucks and get out of there you talk too much click <laughs> right you know i'd much rather see them watch through the thing more yeah, than anything else for sure <clears throat> well um in reference to that four breadboard thing the gentleman who wrote in the question andre actually wrote us back and sent us a photo oh um and he sent a dropbox link and i, I opened it up and that's exactly what he was doing okay. it's like a a okay. coupler almost okay where the breadboards are in between the panels and he's coupled together four different panels and he's got a traditional breadboard on the end right on both ends and then two breadboards coupling together the panels in, in between it's basically and a solution uh, for an extremely long table that your boards aren't long enough to accommodate right yeah. so it's yeah, kind of a, exactly. a safe way to extend the the thing end grain to end grain i don't know how we didn't think about this uh because we're too busy being idiots <laughs> is <laughs> what it came down basically to. basically that's the answer yeah <laughs> we're so busy on making each other laugh that we're not actually thinking enough about the question <laughs> it's all good yeah right yeah I yeah agree. kenny yeah <laughs> uh, the show's going to the dogs oh yeah you don't want that one then did shannon just mute himself or something yeah okay i figured <laughs> ups guy across the street is kenny's nemesis oh i'll get you ups man <laughs> all right was well, that yes it? matt you may carry Good. on okay. okay well i don't know here i'll, I'll, I'll figuratively oh. drink for you thank you for so much <laughs> um this is from george says hey mark matt and shannon what happened mm. <laughs> i've always enjoyed listen, listening to you guys but this year you've really hit full stride thanks for prefer thanks for providing such an entertaining and informative podcast for a guy with three daughters it is really nice to spend some quality time while well, the shop time with three great guys that know how to have fun and laugh at each other with each other. Sorry. <laughs> Keep up the great work. What, uh, what happened? Like, I'll tell you what like happened. A negative thing. There are three things. Thing follows that. There are three things that happened. We got rid of that slacker Vanderlist. Oh, jeez. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, seriously though. I think we got, we got, we got Matt in position here and it took a while to, to, you know, it always takes a while to, to get your groove, um, you know, on the show. And I think we had a, you know, a few growing pains and got to the point where now it's a little bit more fluid and, and makes a little bit more sense. Uh, second thing is we started the Patreon campaign. And one thing I find with online content is 
the more you do of it, the better it is. And we've done this with Wood Talk in the past. Uh, Vanderlist and I had many discussions about the frequency of the show. And it wasn't until we started to do a weekly show that it actually got really good because we found if there's too much time between, we lose our uh, ability to like riff off of each other and to, to respond quickly and with some level of wit. Uh, and, and the frequency <laughs> of the show actually helps. So the fact that we record as much as we do and we make so much content for Wood Talk, you think doing more would dry up the well, but it actually makes the show better. And I think it's basically, we're just more practiced at it. And, uh, we have this routine going and, and I think Matt's just getting more comfortable. So it becomes the trio that the show is intended to be. So I think that's, that's what happened if you want an actual honest answer, but also we yeah, got okay. rid of that slacker Vanderlist. So you two got a lot less scary. <laughs> yeah. We're less intimidating. Oh, don't mind the garage door opening in the background. If you can hear that Nicole's coming in <clears throat> with our sick baby. And, uh, with your I, one garage door that works. The one working garage door, she had it confirmed that she does have a bacterial infection in the eye, oh. in both eyes. Yeah. That's so terrible. I'm going to go give her some butterfly kisses in a minute, because that sounds fun. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> All right. Well, know while you do are, that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, David wrote in, he said in episode 355, or rather Stephen wrote in and said in episode 355, David Asked about having a chainstay not be caught by the edge of a door when you close it. For two chests that I built recently, I used leather instead of a chain. But a chain could work, too, with this method. The strap is mounted to the inside of the side of the chest, as would be normal. On the lid, however, it's offset by about two inches towards the middle of the lid. In my case, this offset forces the leather strap to bend towards the middle. With a chain, it can make the chain fall away from the edge. If David offsets his chain a couple of inches towards the middle of the door, it should work just fine. That's a good point. Huh. So that way you're not having to reach up and kind of push it there. Yeah, for sure. you hear that? I don't know. Oh, I have a garage nice. door closing in my shop. I don't hear oh, okay. anything. <laughs> so we, just, we have horrible wind here, and it's like blowing so wind? hard. It's actually, yeah, it's actually like humming through the it storm. It sounded like there was a the drone house. flying through your room there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, nice. That was just the wind. Just the resonance <laughs> of the wind, huh? Okay, yeah. let's uh, jump into our voicemail here. We've got two questions. One here from Josh. I've been woodworking for about three years now. Pretty seriously, you know, as a hobby still. But uh, with a lot of frustration, I might add, because I haven't had a decent bitch to work on. And I like using hand tools. I'm, I'm guess you call me a hybrid woodworker. I like power and hand tools. But I love using hand tools when I can. But it's just hard to have a decent bitch. So now I'm at point where I'm fixing to start gathering materials and I'm going to build a decent bench. Um, my question is, or my dilemma, is ever since day one, I've always liked the Scandinavian style or European, whatever you want to call it, uh, with one little modification. I don't want the little tail vise, the, the L-shaped wood tail vise. I don't like that. I, I want a simpler wagon style, like a bench cracker or something similar. But my question is, um, I know all three of you guys are big Rubo users, and there's things about the Rubo that I do like, like the leg vise, chop, whatever you want to call it. So my question is, based on y'all's use of uh, the Rubo bench, I'd like to hear y'all's opinions on is there any disadvantages or advantages over one over the other? Or does it really matter based on my style of work? Because I'm pretty much like a hybrid worker. Hand tools, power tools, whatever gets it easier. But I love using hand tools. I really do. But I just love to hear your guys' opinion on this. Cause 
one thing about Scandinavia, I just love the design. I love the way it looks. But the shoulder vise, I love not having a screw or any kind of guide bar down there to interfere. Just straight through, you have all that room right there. That's one of the main selling points for me on that. But uh, anyway, I just love to hear what you guys think. Hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Now, you know what? All this stuff was so fresh in my mind when I read Workbench. Uh, what's his name? Schwartz's workbench book where he really, I think very well lays out arguments for certain workbench types. And actually I would recommend that to Josh as a resource if he hasn't already read that book. Um, but that said, I'm sure Shannon and, and probably Matt maybe have, have this stuff a little fresher in their minds about uh, potential advantages or disadvantages with this. Well, I, I often refer to it as like a blank slate or a blank chassis almost. Mm-hmm. You know, you take a lot of car manufacturers that use the same chassis for multiple models, you know, and then just slap a different body on it and throw in some fancier parts and, you know, wood paneling and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. But ta-da, it's a more expensive car. And it's the same kind of thing with the workbench. The the Rubo and the Nicholson, for that matter, both have a a great solid chassis that you can choose to put a leg vice on or not. Put a wagon vice, in vice, whatever you want to call it, tail vice on it, um, and or not, and they still work really well because they've got a good solid top, a good solid substructure, um, and and you could choose to work without a vice. The thing about the European and the Scandinavian style benches is it has that extra dog leg that comes out for the shoulder vice to run through, and you can't really remove that. You know, if if your work changes later on. You can't really add that either without major bench surgery. So, Mm. and to me, it just would get in the way. Now, that being said, I've never actually spent any time working on one. So I may, I just have no idea what I'm talking about. There's no empirical evidence to say I don't like it. My gut feeling is it would just get in the way just because it's it's just one of those things that it doesn't make it a blank slate anymore. You can't just add and subtract from it like you would, you know, the Nicholson or the Rubo. Mm Mm-hmm. Because that is the other thing is you're always going to be changing how you do things. Yeah. You're always going to be like, man, I wish that I had, you know, an extra dog hole here. or I wish that I had an extra space here with those Rubo and Nicholson designs. You just drill another one. You know, you can adapt the design of the bench to, to suit your needs. Well, and I could say as a quote unquote hybrid woodworker, uh, our needs at a workbench are a little bit simpler. You know, we're not necessarily, I mean, I guess it depends on what type of woodworking you're doing. You say hybrid, that doesn't really mean anything. It's like, do you joint the edges of your boards at your workbench? It's not something I do very often. Uh, but when I do, I've got the, you know, the ability to do it. I find the Rubo just to be simple. It's a very simple, adaptable bench. Like you're saying, it's a clean slate of sorts, but as a hybrid woodworker, I don't need my bench to do nearly as much as let's say Shannon does. Um, as long as I've got some basic work holding there and then the ability to add stuff to it, if I really need to in the future, that's what drew me to that particular, uh, design. But I think the fact that you're a hybrid woodworker is a good thing because it means that you're probably not going to need as much flexibility out of your bench as a full on hand tool user would. But, uh, I think honestly, any, any good workbench design is probably going to be satisfactory for what he's looking to do. Uh, okay. Yeah. What do you I think, think for me, I it's it's hard for me to say because like I haven't spent time on any other style of bench other than the one I had before, which was just some laminated two by fours with two of those metal whatever you want to call them, woodworking vices attached to it. Mm-hmm. Those metal jaw ones. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> so I can't really say like the Rubo is better than anything else because I honestly have no personal 
experience with anything else. Mm-hmm. But what I, I will say, though, I am extremely happy with the Rubo and that it's really it's a very versatile bench and the clamping options there with at least with the leg vice, especially because I use that like probably a lot more than the tail vice, to be honest. Mm-hmm. That vice alone is really it's just awesome. so versatile. You can put all kind, you can hold things in all different orientations. You can hold big things, small things whatever you want and it has a lot of clamping power so it's not going to go anywhere on you um so i don't know if that helps at all but it, i like it so far well and, and also for three years it can be helpful to look around see what other woodworkers are doing and you look at somebody like david marks who has probably like again being sort of a uh, a schwarz I don't know, just a follower in terms of his methodology and, and, and beliefs on these workbench things. Um, his David Mark's bench sucks in regards to what, like <laughs> the, like if he, if the shores were to do some sort of evaluation of it, it would fail on so many things yeah. because yeah. he's basically just got one big end vice and it's a quick, a uh, quick release vice that's been adapted with a wide jaw on it. That's the whole width of the uh, entire bench itself. So the bench is r- fairly narrow it also is overhanging, so there's no leg vice. There's no opportunity for a leg vice because, I, if I remember correctly, it's a trestle base on it. And in terms of functionality, it really doesn't do much, but it's David Marks. You know what I mean? So if you're going to question what someone does, look at what they build and how they build it and see if the, you know if that workbench is working for that person, uh, then we could probably, you know, you do something that's a little bit more functional, you're going to be fine, you know? So, Okay. I just realized that when I run my thumb across my seat, it makes fart sounds. <laughs> and I'm hoping that that makes it into the recording later. So someone will go, oh, Mark farted. And I probably did too, but it was silent. Um, okay. So enough about that. Let's get to uh, the last voicemail. Uh, this one is from Richard. Hi, guys. Love the show. I got a question for you. I was wondering if you guys would care to weigh in on what you think the online woodworking community needs more of. In other words, Cowbell. what do you I got a lax? How do you think the online woodworking world can grow? <laughs> Eager to hear what you guys have to say? Have a great one. All right, let's not dwell on it too much. This isn't an off-topic show, um, but... I'm going to throw my opinion in that we need more women. I think we have a few standouts and they do very well on YouTube. People want to see women crafting and doing things and especially stuff that is in a traditionally male dominated area. It's uh, it can be fun to watch and interesting to get a female perspective on things. And I think it, it overall is good for, you know, our community, us as a people, if we, if we have everybody, you know, getting into these, um, you know, handcrafted trades and things like that. So uh, my vote is going to be for more women. What do you guys hmm. think? That's a good one. Like Thank that. you. <laughs> um, I, I would still say, and this would apply just about every online community. I think we need more tolerance. I think there's yeah. still far too many. This is how I do it. So you're wrong. Uh, Cause you do it differently. Mm-hmm. I think we need more uh, open-minded experimentation you know, sure. um, and, and woodworking goes back as far as that. I don't think we have too many pins or tails arguments going on anymore, but that's always the one that people point to. And, and it, it's amazing to me still how I can see somebody uh, put themselves out there and say, this is how I do something and then watch people tear them apart because that's the wrong way to do it because they do it differently. And I, I just that blows my mind. 
especially because there's more and more new people coming into this and you're nervous when you're new, you know, and it's like you, you had the guts to throw something out there in the online community and somebody told you you're wrong and yeah. you just basically disappear. So, but that's not just woodworking. That's everything. No, no. Well, <laughs> everything. one thing we have, you know, more of with this, and again, it's in every area online is there's more armchair woodworkers now who have watched and basically the extent of their woodworking knowledge is what they found online. So what you'll find is people think that hand tools were invented by Paul Sellers, right? And <laughs> yeah, they, well, yeah, and they, they may have been <laughs> right. And if there's <laughs> <watched> him lately, <laughs> that's true. And if there's a, uh, I don't know, something engineering related to woodworking, the only person who is good enough to evaluate it is uh, Matthias Wendell. You know, so I mean, there there are people who all they know is this online community, so they don't think beyond it. So when you talk about, you know, going a little deeper into the craft and talking about woodworkers who didn't really have much online presence, like, um, you know, a Krenov situation, they're like, who? You know, so I think just yeah. to add on to that, I feel like part of the the, the the mood of what's out there is the lack of a, a real perspective for anything beyond stuff that came after 2008. Right. Well, and, and these camps develop, you mm-hmm. know, the seller's camp develops. And and I'm constantly, Team-based I have people who, stuff. who, yeah, you know, they'll write me in like my community, my hand tools code community, you know, hey, there's a, there's an alternative I thought would work, but Paul Sellers did it or um, we're picking on Paul. And like, is it okay <laughs> if I post that? How about Cosman? We could say him too. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah or, or, or even Schwarz, you know, it's okay that I post that because it conflicts with what you said. And I'm like, yeah, like, <laughs> of course. Uh, <laughs> like, I can't believe you thought you had to ask that. I'm like, of course. I do not have all the Shannon's answers. Shannon's way work. is the only way. That's right. Shannon's <laughs> way or the highway. God help us all if that were the case, because we'd <laughs> all be screwed. So, I mean, there needs to be more of that, you know? I think so. Yeah, more well, more explore, exploration outside of YouTube would be nice too. That sure. that plays off what what I was going to say, which was to have more of these. I guess you would call them traditional masters mm-hmm. come into the woodworking community right. or place online. Like not just new blood, right? No, I'm talking like the people that like been. They're like, I don't want to get all like ageist or whatever, but like you know, they're sixty, seventy. They've been doing it professionally for their entire lives. They're accredited. Ooh. They're award winning. They're old. You they know, got gray hair. They might not know how to use the internet. They poop their pants. <laughs> well, what what about uh, I just mentioned him, David Marks? How how awesome would it be? And I wish you know. And I've talked to David about this. I mean, his he's got his business model set in a different direction. But my goodness, if David had an active YouTube channel and would continue oh, yeah. to just dispense the wisdom this guy has earned in his career and uh, and just dish it out online. I mean, it may yeah, not be fantastic. the most. It may not like, be the most popular channel, but you know, folks like us would dive in and and one just. That, blah. When Charlie was there and he did the interview with David when he was doing that um, giant vessel, mm-hmm. that was a fantastic video. It was just literally he was, David was just talking about what he was doing. Yeah, I was like, this is amazing. I don't really. I mean, I, maybe someday I'll do some kind of hollow vessel turning giant thing. Mm-hmm. I probably right. won't for a while, but this is incredibly interesting because David just has a personality of like. When I talk, you listen. Right. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's hard one experience coming out of that mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I like that. I would love to see some of these uh some of these guys. And that's the thing, a lot of them, if they've done anything in terms of media, they've made DVDs 
and and they might still yeah. look at DVDs as like the end all sort of thing for them to do. And it's like, no, no, stop, stop making DVDs. Like, let's <laughs> go online and do something awesome and and get a new audience here. Even like if they're on Instagram, that's like the easiest probably medium for most of them to use. Sure. Like you're in yeah. the shop, you have your smart, most people have smartphones now. Yes. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this, whatever. I'm going to take a picture of this and talk about what I was working on or just shoot a quick video or whatever. Right. Who was it? I was, I was on Instagram the other day. You know how it says you should, you should follow these people that recommended. And I don't remember who it was now, but it was one of those people, one of the luminaries of woodworking. <laughs> and I was like, sweet. And I clicked through zero posts. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man. They opened an account. That's a start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I wish I could remember who it was now but yeah, yeah I was so excited and so let down uh, all at once well they couldn't finish they had to they pooped their pants and had to go <laughs> oh so my God. couldn't finish posting <laughs> alright oh wow <laughs> okay now if you want to leave us a voicemail like all those folks did you can do that on Skype our username is woodtalkonline or you can call 623-242-5180 or at woodtalkonline at gmail.com send us a voice memo from your phone uh, okay let's get into our emails here and mine is a uh, kickback and a question from Jacob he says good afternoon morning evening guys I recently listened to episode 355 and had an Orwellian experience when Mark started talking about his live edge table conundrum I seriously thought someone must be listening to my conversations with my wife about why I don't build a coffee table with hairpin legs calling the use of hairpin legs low hanging fruit of what to put on a table is exactly my objection to their use in a serious piece of furniture that I plan in my home or for that matter anyone else's so here's the question Uh, What other resources, woodworkers, do you know that have been successful at striking a balance in design of a live-edge natural top and manufactured built base? The hardest part seems to be that it needs to be structurally sound, yet remain visually out of the way, if you will, so it does not detract from the beauty of the top. Jordan Crawford of George's Workshop uh, has some nice designs. But I'm curious to see more examples. I have a well-seasoned slab of beautiful white oak that I'm planning to turn into a bookmatched coffee tabletop uh, for my new home. I have procrastinated on it about six months. My form of veto power to using hairpin legs, as my wife suggested, and I am eager to get to work on it before Shannon passes me and projects completed for the year. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Love the show. Okay. So here is just one quick Google search that I think you need to do. Now, there are plenty of people doing great live edge work and very creative work that, that you could look into, but I'm not specifically aware of them. So I'm not going to give you any more than this. Nakashima. All right, just Google Nakashima table and you're going to find stuff that is Nakashima influenced, original Nakashima. You're going to find bases, trestle bases, and all kinds of things that are just form factors that don't seem to intrude and don't seem to compete with the top. Uh, and there's like really cool combinations where they actually take a slab to make one of the legs and then use almost looks like a turned leg, uh, that's kind of tapered, uh, to support the other side, you know? So there's lots of great options, lots of very earthy designs that fit with that top. Um, so that would be my recommendation and chances are from there, if you dig a little bit deeper, you're going to find some of those people who were influenced by Nakashima, uh, to make some of these very organic and structurally sound good looking bases to fit with these, uh, with these slab tops. You know, the one that comes to mind that, and I don't know if he's actually still making furniture anymore, but Kaleo Kala. Yeah. And he would actually, he would wrap the top. So it was almost like a band that wrapped around the top all the way around the top. Um, and I believe Kaleo used wood, but I've also seen it done in, in steel and iron. Mm -hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> so the, the idea that it has to be entirely out of the way of the slab, I don't think it always has to be that way. Um, and there are some cool designs. What's the dude from um, the 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 reality show uh, that your guy Brandon, Brandon Gore? Gore judged? Yeah, yeah. Um, the guy that won it. Oh, uh, oh, I can't believe I'm me. spacing on his starts name. with a J, doesn't it? Um. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. Go ahead. But I follow did, him on Instagram. Seems he like did nice things guy. similar to that as well, where he's he's using that kind of wrapping technique, and I think that works really well. And you still have that kind oh, of jo- Jory Jory bring bring him bring him something Brig, Brigham or something like that. Yeah, yeah. was a J. <laughs> that guy Jory Jory Brigham. Uh, yeah, Joby, the guy that makes the little Jeez, gorilla pod. I can't believe tripod. I forgot about that. All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that's another thing where the the whole idea that it, you have to get it entirely out of the way, uh, I don't think necessarily is true. But I think whatever you do doesn't shouldn't compete, you know, with what's going on. And that's the, the trick, though. You know what I mean? Like to, it, that's the really the nuanced part of it that design skill and taste comes in. You know, because you like, you can't get it out of the way. It's got to be there. It's got to be visible. But how do you make it visually? out of the way or visually complimentary. And that's, that's a tricky balance to strike. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, totally. Okay. Who next? <laughs> so look around the internet. That's the answer. There you go. Google, <laughs> Google, baby. Yeah, go to Google and uh, look for some stuff. Maybe try Pinterest. I don't know. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hi guys. I love the show. Thank you for quality entertainment. I don't know what quality, but entertainment, definitely. Uh, my question is for Matt. Did you consider a sawmill layout with the saw stationary and a log moves through the carriage? What are the disadvantages of this design? Greetings from Hungary. Sincerely, uh, Akos? Let's have fun pronouncing my name. Akos. I'm going with Akos. I don't know. His name had more symbols in it than I thought a keyboard could even produce. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> like crazy things. Everything yeah. is accented. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I didn't really consider that because a sawmill of that design really you need to have well, it becomes twice as long as a sawmill where the head moves because you have to have the infeed and outfeed. And one of the things that I had as a restriction on my design was the length of the mill because it's going to my backyard. I don't really need a giant mill, nor do I want to have a giant mill in my backyard. So I went with the 16 foot mill which will cut about 12-ish feet long, which is way longer than I need for furniture parts. I'm not sawing beams. I'm not sawing, I don't know what you need, like 16-foot lumber for. I'm not doing construction lumber. I'm just doing furniture stuff. And I don't have anywhere to put stuff that long anyway. So, like, my limit of things I could store is 10 feet long anyway. Um, the other thing with a design like that where the, the log moves, that is, like, a fully, like, stationary. There's, like, you really cannot move that like at all because it's just giant and it, it it really becomes pretty much impossible to remove to move besides like taking it apart or transporting it that way because you're talking about something that's 30 feet long and pretty heavy um i want mine to be somewhat portable in the sense that it could like be moved around like the yard or like physically somewhat shifted around or like if i actually move well which i when i when i do move from this place I would like to be able to take it with me. So, you know, I mean, it might be kind of a cool thing in the listing. Like, oh, they got a sawmill, stationary sawmill in the back, you know? <laughs> That's, yeah. You know, it's like a rustic thing. You know, you could decorate it or use it or whatever. Turn it into a bar. Basically. Yeah, it could be like a moving, a moving bar. 
you guys can ride back and forth on the endless bar. See the sights. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> nice. But that's uh, that's why I went with that. The advantage of the the log moving through the saw head is it's a little more stable. But um, I haven't had a problem with mine being unstable because it just weighs so much. Um, that's normally what you see is a disadvantage on those heads is that they're pretty lightweight, so you can have some vibration in the cut because the head just doesn't weigh enough to keep the whole thing down to the bed. But the carriage and saw head on my saw, are, it weighs like 1,500 pounds right around there. So it's not really going to go anywhere. So that's, uh, that's what I did with that, I guess. I don't know. Cool. That saw heads. Good. I just want to see a 32-foot long saw. hey <laughs> Get a fun with that. All right. This uh, last question comes from Paige. Um, and I'll be honest, I don't have a good answer for this. So I'm kind of curious to see what the uh, community comes back with. Hmm. The question is about air dried versus kiln dried. I bought a mixed stock of lumber off another woodworker. The walnut was explicitly sold as air dried and the rich color depth seems to back that up. I'm wondering if there is a general way to tell whether a particular board or lot is air dried or kiln dried. It shouldn't matter in most cases, but I'm curious. So certainly color is the first thing that you look at. And walnut is one of those perfect examples because usually kiln-dried walnut is also steamed. So it's got kind of a more mellow, homogenous color to it. Air-dried walnut has purples and greens and creams and chocolates and dark chocolates and all kinds of fun stuff in it. Um, you'll find that, I mean, walnut is a perfect example that you don't find huge color variation like that in some of the other species but generally it will still have a little bit more it's like you turned up the saturation level you know on on the color and it's just a little bit richer with the air dried stuff than the kiln dried stuff um i think as far as the checking pattern on the end with kiln dried lumber you will have a tendency to see a lot of those kind of really really small micro checks that come from a more homogenous quicker drying whereas air dried lumber uh, the checks tend to be a little bit more concentrated um not necessarily bigger but there's fewer of them because they're the it dried a little bit slower and uh, as the wood was drying there was that point where the tension just kind of broke and you created a check whereas in a kiln you know you're forcing all this air through it you're raising the temperature and it's it's kind of just opening up the pores and causing micro checks to, to come but I say that and then go out and look at your firewood pile and you'll see a lot of little micro checks in there as well. <laughs> so that that's the question I would throw back to everybody is, is there another way other than color that really is tried and true? Um, I don't think the checking pattern, I think it would vary from species to species of whether or not you could look at it and go, that's air dried or it's kiln dried. Um, certainly air dried lumber is softer, but you know, <laughs> you're not going to be standing in the lumber yard and start pulling out a saw and pulling out a block plane and shaving stuff away. And, oh, look, this is definitely air dried. Um, there definitely is a more mellow feel to air dried lumber. It's wonderful to work with. Um, but other than color, I don't know that you can really look at it. And even then I think you'll have a hard time with certain species like Oak to me looks no different from air dried to kiln dried. Mm-hmm. I don't think it dramatically changes in color. Now there's a difference between wet and air dried. You know, Matt will back that up. It looks very different when you just saw it. You you talk about turning up the saturation level. It's like it's got finish on it because it's at 80% moisture content. White oak is like brown, like super brown, fresh sun. Poplar is all 
purple and what red about, and green um, and everything. What about moisture content? I mean, I, that, that might be something that you could evaluate over time because if you like have it and it's acclimated and it hasn't gone down to a certain point, you could say, okay, this is probably air dried. But can you make a snap judgment on the spot with the moisture meter to, to make a decision about that? See, I don't, I don't know. I mean, if it's acclimated really to the environment it's in, it's right. going to be, it doesn't matter how it was dried, it's going to be it's still 10% gonna take whatever. on more moisture. So I was going to say, yeah, because we've got kiln dried lumber that, you know, it sits out in open air sheds. And depending on how long it's been sitting there, it will climb up from the six to eight percent, mm-hmm. you know, and it'll it'll hover around nine or ten, um, depending upon on the time of year. the The real key difference is is you take that into your shop that's that's much much drier, and it will drop that moisture very very quickly. Yeah, because it is kiln dried, and because the cell walls have been hardened a little bit, air dried won't drop the moisture quite as fast because they're still pliable cell walls to sponge up the stuff and hang on to it mm-hmm. how much yeah. uh, i like a tangent of that like how much of a difference does it make depending on the kiln process i don't right. know a whole lot about the different processes but most of the ones that like when we talk about kiln dry she's like heat or a high heat type of kiln uh, as opposed to like dehumidification kiln or even like a vacuum kiln right i don't know a whole lot about that either but i mean that has some i have, i don't know i i have nothing to add except the question <laughs> Yeah. Well, and, and that's why I say this, uh, let's kind of throw this back to people. If anybody does know, cause I know there are listeners in our audience that actually dry their own lumber and have a lot of experience doing it. But, um, yeah, as far as the, is there a difference from kiln dry to kiln dry? I think you either do it too fast. In other words, you did it wrong or, or it was successful. You know, yeah. I mean, an RF, an RF kiln is going to dry it homogenous. So it's going to be 100% regardless of thickness or thickness it's going to be the same moisture content throughout that's why you use a, a vacuum kiln like that but uh you know dehumidifier dehumidifier kilns and forced air uh heat kilns they're still doing the same thing um and if you rush it it will completely bleep up the wood so you know it, it all comes down to time and following the schedule and there's no there's no 11 secret herbs and spices to that you know kiln drying schedules are are well published you know, based on species, based upon volume. And, and, you know, I do think some people will tell you that there's some art to loading a kiln and stacking a kiln and getting it filled up properly and stickered properly and everything so that mm-hmm. you get the best air exchange throughout the kiln. I know we've got guys at the yard that have been doing it for 40 years and it is like, yeah, they, they kick some serious button Tetris because it's amazing how <laughs> they can load a kiln, you know, cause the more dead air you have in the kiln, the more wasted heat that's going on, the more potential issues. If you can pack it in there, you get a much more homogenous and faster drying for that matter. Mm -hmm. But that's totally off the topic of that question. But I blame Matt for that. You're welcome. That's the best way to go. It's a safe bet. At least it was on topic. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's true. We didn't talk about YouTube. Um, (laughs) Bodily functions. Right. That's been that too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, Okay. If you want to check out that email extra, we're about to record it. So if you're a $4 patron or higher, you'll get access to that immediately after this show. It'll be published in your feed and you'll be able to listen to that extra stuff. Uh, you can also support the show if you want to. Um, of course, go to patreon.com slash woodtalk, find out all the options there. Or you can go to twwstore.com and pick up a Wood Talk t-shirt. Or you could just go to iTunes, look us up and leave us a review in the iTunes store. And Shannon, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. Okay. 
If you have comments, questions, or you know how to tell the difference between air-dried and kiln-dried lumber, Mm -hmm. especially if it requires some sort of chemical process that will get you banned from lumber yards up and down, you know, in your your region, I want to know about it. You'll know, but Uh, the lumber will be destroyed. (laughs) Right. This was. It was air-dried. It's good to know. <laughs> anyway, you can let us know let us know those techniques oh. via voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. You can call us. I'll just throwing stuff around behind Danny, me. Hey, settle down. You can call us at 623-242-5180. Or you can use our fancy contact form, woodtalkshow.com slash contact, or just leave us a comment on this episode post. Go to woodtalkshow.com, find this episode, scroll to the bottom, and leave a comment. And that's how it works. Yeah. All right. Well, well thank you. Uh, say what? I missed what you said. Oh. You said something and I missed just it. do it. It's easy. Okay. Just Comment. do it. It was nothing important that I stopped for. Okay. Please. Engagement, <laughs> please. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.